Kia ora. I'm Damien Venuto. It's October 12th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. For the past few years, former broadcaster and journalist Rachel Smalley has been advocating for change in how our country funds medicine. Currently, Pharmac is the crown entity that decides which medicines to fund for use by New Zealanders. But Pharmac has become a dirty word to many people with life-threatening or rare illnesses who struggle to access the drugs that they need to treat their condition. Despite years of advocacy on the subject, Smalley has struggled to gain an interview with Pharmac's top brass to address the criticisms of how they operate. So she made an official Information Act request to find out why, and the resulting email she received has sparked outrage and calls for the CEO to quit. Today on the front page, Smalley is here to explain her battle with Pharmac and what it says about the state of the drug buying agency. Rachel, you have been a journalist for many years, but Pharmac and medicine has become a big area of interest for you, to the point that you now run a campaign called The Medicine Gap. What sparked your interest here? I think right at the beginning, I met a woman called Fiona Tolich, who was advocating for children with a rare disorder called spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA, to get access to a drug. And I think we connected just as women and as mothers. And I think when I first met Fiona, I saw quite a desperation in her face. She has SMA as well, but this is a disorder that you can have type one, type two, three, or four. One is the most severe and you're unlikely to make your first birthday. And as it stands in New Zealand at the moment, it's the first biggest genetic killer of under twos. And Fiona was trying to get access to medicine for children. And that really sparked my interest because I just started on this journey of understanding why we might not be funding it. It didn't make sense to me. So Rachel, you started investigating this drug in particular, and then things became quite tense between you and Pharmac. Can you explain the nature or the genesis of that dispute with Pharmac? Yeah, I can. It's interesting. When I first started out with uh, the medicine gap, because the minute I started speaking about spinal muscular atrophy, people were coming out of the woodwork with different types of rare disorders and cancers and chronic diseases like Crohn's and colitis. So it escalated. And at that point, I thought it's an issue of money and it's an issue of prioritization. But I guess as I delved into it further, I really felt that there was a need here for a bit of legacy leadership, that actually there was a lot that wasn't right within Pharmac including how they make their funding decisions. And I guess I became a bit more of a a critic or I questioned them more. And as that began to occur, so too did their reluctance then to speak to me. And we got into this sort of situation where the Pharmac review came out. They refused to speak to its findings. To this day, they still haven't spoken to the criticisms in that report. And I guess that's why our relationship got a bit off course. How frustrating was it for you that they just refused to talk to you during that period? Really frustrating because we're not talking about a small little government entity that's a bit media shy. We're talking about the organization, the crown entity that acts as the judge, juror, and executioner when it comes to procuring modern medicines for New Zealanders. You know, there is a real need for accountability. And years ago, they were afforded this commercial sensitivity and secrecy. They could operate in a bit of a silo, and that hasn't served any of us. You know, these are people who are fulfilling a really important job. They're funded by taxpayers and, you know, they need to to speak and be open and transparent about that. 
The interim report into Pharmac condemns the agency, saying it has a fortress mentality that permits little transparency. It's not fast enough, saying it appears each funding decision takes as long as it takes. It's increasingly disconnected from other parts of the health system, and Pharmac's processes are not patient-centred. You know, New Zealand puts itself out on the world stage as, as being kind, caring, compassionate, empathetic, but we're allowing people to die. So while Pharmac was giving you the cold shoulder to your face, behind the scenes there was a bit of talking about you. So what prompted you to file that official information act against them about yourself? Well, I went through the Privacy Act, actually, to try and understand what was going on behind the scenes because I couldn't understand why they were blocking me and I thought maybe a Privacy Act request would reveal what's going on behind the scenes and why they won't speak to me. And I could never have anticipated that 274-page document that eventually, several months later, arrived in my inbox. I mean, what do you make of this? They knew that these emails could potentially be made public. How foolish was it of them to be having these discussions on their work emails about you? I find it slightly intriguing, I guess, because Pharmac really has only ever answered to itself and it hasn't really been buried down into an investigated, I guess, to such a degree. There's been some great work that's been done. Guy and Espen has done a lot of work in this space as well, but they've never really been an open organisation. So I think there's a bit of naivety here as to what they were writing down. I don't think they'll do that again, but certainly it gave some insight into what they were thinking. Rachel, what exactly was revealed within those emails when you received them? Gosh, uh, where do I start? A real flippancy I felt towards some patients, in particular cancer, just by some of the emails, the editorials that I had written about cancer, about what I saw as some of the key failings of Pharmac that were sent off and were fairly dismissive. There were emails that said, uh, it's a good day when Rachel Smalley cries. And that was when I got particularly emotional when I did speak to Pharmac in uh, the earlier days. And they told me that They had decided they would, in fact, fund a treatment for SMA, and I knew what impact that would have on families. And, uh, you know, my voice broke when I was speaking to them. They were going to decline an interview, again, that I'd requested with Sarah Finn about the Pharmac review, and they wrote, Smalley's going to be mega shitty. They employed a, a media intelligence agency to put a spotlight on me, and I was, you know, considered their leading detractor. They tracked me across social media. They tracked me across mainstream media, my opinion pieces. So there was quite a lot in there and a lot of dismissive commentary, you know, Sarah Fitt wrote that I was banging on again that morning. She said I had a poor following on Today FM. I was in a terrible time slot. Not many people would be listening. So just some pretty challenging analysis, if you like, and commentary about me when I was trying to raise this issue about the situation New Zealanders have found themselves in with this unfunded medicines crisis. What is your response when you receive those emails? To be honest, I started scrolling and I felt really ill. And I get a bit emotional about this because I actually walked away from it for a while. And when I say a while, some time, I I couldn't face it. And I faced a dilemma because I thought, what is in this Privacy Act request will cause harm. It's going to cause harm to patients who have been beating down the door of Pharmac. And for me to reveal this, that was the most confronting aspect to me, I have to say, Damien, because if you have lost a loved one, to cancer or to a rare disorder, or you are fighting it at the moment, to understand what's going on behind the scenes at Pharmac is truly distressing, I think, and would cause people a lot of anxiety and upset. It really would. 
there were so many shocking bits and pieces shared from that initial OIA, but which bit shocked you the most? Oh, without question, that four-letter word, SIGH, S-I-G-H, and four dots. And that was in the subject line of an email where I had written about some people who I had become close to who had cancer, and I'd met them through the Medicine Gap. They were self-funding. And I wrote a piece about how they would be dead if they were relying on the public health system for their treatment. And the sub had clipped that up and written a headline, my friends would be dead if they had to rely on the public health system for their cancer treatment. And they posted that on Twitter. And Sarah Fitt took a screenshot of that tweet, sent it to her colleagues, and in the subject line wrote, sigh. And it was that flippancy and that disdain for the people who I knew to be really struggling to hang on to life that I felt and still feel the most upset about. Has anyone ever apologised to you over the comments made in those emails? There is uh, one man, Peter Allstock, who has sent me what I consider to be a heartfelt apology. He's now the Chief of Staff for Tifata Order. He said, you were right to call me out. He had described a conversation as utterly nauseating between myself and Fiona Tolich, the, the woman I mentioned at the start who has SMA. He is deeply apologetic and he's genuine. And he came through every single channel he could to try and find me, be it phone and, and text and what have you on that day. To my knowledge at the moment, he hasn't apologized to Fiona, but I haven't heard anything from Pharmac. But really, to be honest, it's the patients and the people who need medicines who I think Pharmac owes an apology to. The Front Page is committed to keeping you informed about New Zealand. Follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or your preferred podcast provider so you can keep up with Aotearoa. What do you make of the accusations from Pharmax staff that you're an activist rather than a journalist? And do you think that those two roles can sometimes overlap? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I see why they have said that. And that's because the journalism, if you like, that played out with the medicine gap evolved from what you would call traditional journalism. Because I was asking incredibly personal questions of people because I wanted to illustrate the very human impact of these decisions of not funding drugs. So I gave everyone I spoke to story sovereignty. Now, that's not traditional journalism. I wrote their story and then I asked them, I'd send it back to them and I would say, you need to sit with this. It's deeply personal. You need to show your family. You need to tell me when you're comfortable and when you are. I'll go out, I'll put it on their website and we'll publish this and it will go to social media. They had to be part of that because, you know, they were telling me incredibly personal things. You know, the young girl, Jess, who has Crohn's and ulcerated colitis. And as part of that, I mean, she has extraordinary pain that she lives with. She has brutal side effects of this autoimmune disease, which affect all around her bowel. She spoke at length about what that meant for that area of her body. She couldn't be intimate. You know, when you're asking people to share extremely personal and human stories so that people understand what it is to live with disease, you must give them story sovereignty. A typical journalist wouldn't do that. You know, you write a story, it's published. You don't put it in front of people beforehand. And as well, Damien, and this is really important, I think, journalism has to be balanced. You sit on the fence. That's what we do. This is one side. This is what the mm. other side says. But with Pharmac, we could never get the other side. And they would either issue a statement, they would never be questioned on something. And so you end up being accused of being an activist because actually some of these stories, there is no balance to them because what's occurring is wrong. You know, the way that patients have been treated is wrong. A failure to look at the cost of society and these people of not funding these medicines, I believe, is wrong. 
And so I think that's why Farmac started to point the finger at me and say, she's an activist and she's not a journalist. The other side can't provide balance by issuing you a corporate statement. You've got to be able to say, well, hang on, have you looked at the cost of society of not funding these medicines? These young people are having colostomy bags. They're having chunks of their bowel cut out. They're in and out of hospital. They can't work. They can't contribute to the economy. Have you considered the cost of all of that by not funding this medicine for a small group of people who need it? And that's the challenge, I think, for me, is that you couldn't question them. And you would just get the statement saying, at Pharmac, we are on a fixed budget and we attempt to fund as many medicines as we can for as many New Zealanders as we can. And that would be the same statement every time. So it's not a balanced story to just keep publishing that. They've got to step up and be questioned. We have seen open letters from families of cancer sufferers calling for Pharmac CEO Sarah Fitt to step down. Do you think those calls are fair? And what sort of consequences await Pharmac officials, if any, following your revelations? It's not my call to make whether or not she should stand down. As it stands at the moment, the government of the day can sack the board or they could certainly apply pressure to Steve Mahari as chair, but obviously the proximity of the election makes that problematic. And it would be the board who would look at the performance of Sarah Fit. My greatest desire from all of this is that whoever is in government next commits to really having a deep dive on Pharmac listening to patients, having an engagement, almost like an amnesty, if you like, and to commit to reforming Pharmac. You can't leave these entities on their own to just dribble along. We need reform. We are at the bottom of the OECD for access to modern medicines. We need to do far better. Rachel, the response to calls for greater investment in medicine is that we do just have a set amount of money that we can invest. What would your response be to that? Yeah, it's a really good point. And it comes down to what I call, you know, the funding methodology at Pharmac, where they look at medicines as just a sunk cost, but you've got to have an all of society view. You've got to consider if we don't fund this medicine, and this is the problem with Pharmac operating in a silo, what's the impact on our health system? What does it cost to have these children with Crohn's or ulcerated colitis in hospital for long periods of time? You know, if we didn't fund this medicine, what does it mean for surgery? Does that increase the levels of surgery? Is this person going to be in and out of A&E all the time and suffering? So you've got to look at what value medicines bring to a modern functioning health system. What Pharmac is really good at is getting really cheap drugs. We're a rounding number for the rest of the world, you know, like no one's really over here insisting that New Zealand must fund meds. They're all up in, you know, the Northern Hemisphere. So we can get good price meds. If you look at something like, say, Trikafta, which we funded to treat cystic fibrosis, because of that, we've stopped giving kids bilateral lung transplants. You know, you've got any idea how much that saves the health system. So if you see what I mean about as part of the reform is looking at the cost to society of not funding meds. When mum can go back to work, when children can kind of contribute to the economy as they grow older and not be in our hospitals all the time. There's this amazing medication called Kaleidico, which will effectively switch it off. It'll switch off as CF is how it was um, explained to us. What that looks like is potentially decades added to what at the moment is a life expectancy of 37 years. The next sentence, he explained that it's amazing, but it's not available in New Zealand. It's, it's not funded, at least. And if you were to buy it, it's going to cost you 360 grand a year. Who's to blame for the Pharmac situation here? Do you think it's successive governments for not funding the agency enough? Or is it public servants who are running Pharmac being left to their own devices? Or where does the blame lie when it comes to Pharmac? 
There's a couple of areas here, I think, historically, and this is across both political parties or both main political parties, when you have problematic agencies which can pop up in the media a lot, like Pharmac, like ACC, governments tend to put what I would call a government-friendly former minister in there. So Steve Mahari sits on ACC and he sits on Pharmac as well. And he's a wily old fox. He knows how to supposedly keep organisations like this out of the media. He knows how to cope in a political crisis. And when he was appointed to that role by Jacinda Ardern back at the start of her leadership, you know, he's borne fruit because he's buckled down this week and he's blocked and said, Sarah Fitz on holiday. Hard to imagine that you would let a CEO of a problematic entity just days before an election go on holiday, but there we have it. But I think that's really flawed. I think we need independent chairs to fully govern and fully look at those organisations and understand whether they are still fit for purpose or whether they need reforming. There are some great public servants. There really are some brilliant people doing God's work in the public service. But what I would say to them is, you know, lean in, be a legacy leader, look at how you can improve the public service and make those recommendations. Don't be scared of politicians. Step in and give them that free and frank advice. If the entity is not performing properly, how can it work better? And that's what I would like to see. Rachel, looking at the policies being offered by political parties in the lead up to this election, are you confident anyone has the right path for Pharmac? Is anyone focusing enough on this issue? No, I don't believe that's the case. New Zealand First wants to demolish Pharmac and start again. I don't think that's the answer. I think what Pharmac is very, very good at is negotiating. They get among the cheapest medicines, if not the cheapest medicines in the Western world. It's just trying to get them to the table and get them to look at the decision-making process and the funding methodology they use, which is why we're bottom of the OECD. We've never reformed that from the 1990s, and we don't consider the cost of not funding medicines and the burden that it places on our health system by not funding these modern meds. You know, there are cost savings we can make in other ways. Labour at the moment, they've thrown a good bit of cash at Pharmac, but what's changed? Very little. And you can't keep throwing money at a problem without giving outcomes that you want to see achieved or looking at why those that, that entity is still not performing. The Greens, they're on the same line, throw some money at it. National has stepped in and said they will fund 13 of the medicines that the Tikaho Cancer Control Agency should be funded. I'm not comfortable necessarily with politicians stepping in and doing that. But right now, when Pharmac's not funding them, you know, I applaud that. There'll be a lot of people with cancer who want that to happen. But I think ACT had talked about, you know, whether they needed to reform it. They haven't really spoken to that. But I do think collectively now, if Labor gets back in, they know they will have to do something more than what they've done. And hopefully, if the Nats get in, that they too see the need to reform this beast. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and edited by Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Then tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.